Two days ago, Asa Hutchinson, the governor of Arkansas, uh, vetoed a bill that would prevent perverts from pumping little kids full of cross-sex hormones. He said that this was very conservative. He then went on TV last night to defend his decision. Why do you think it's important for conservatives to make certain that children can block their puberty, be chemically castrated? Why is that a conservative value, if you would tell us? Well, first of all, you have parents involved in very difficult decisions. You have physicians that are involved in these decisions. And uh, I go back to William Buckley. I go back to Ronald Reagan, the principles of our party, uh, which believes in a limited role of government. Are we as a party abandoning a limited role of government and saying we're going to invoke the government decision making over and above physicians, over and above health care, over and above parents? and saying, so uh, you can't so do you that. Believe it's uh, you cannot engage how, how in much? that. William Buckley and Ronald Reagan, that's who you're going to invoke to defend chemically castrating kids? I do not want to presume to speak for the dead. But from what I know about William F. Buckley Jr.'s political vision, it did not involve mutilating little kids and mutilating little Johnny to look like little Jane. Asa Hutchinson here is not speaking for Buckley or Reagan or conservatives. uh, Asa Hutchinson is speaking for a dead conservative consensus that has dominated politics for the last 20 years that we need to purge from the Republican Party. We need to purge guys like him from the Republican Party, and we need to play ball. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday comes from Stephen Reynolds, who, who asks, how would they react if businesses were asking people if they had HIV before being allowed entry? Private businesses have no right to require me to fork over my medical data. Well, of course, you know, now because COVID falls on one part of the political narrative. Now you're going to be told that you have to prove that you don't have COVID or the variant or the super duper variant or whatever. But if it were on another side of the political narrative, if it were HIV, for instance, this would be considered a crime against humanity to ask people to prove that they don't have the virus that, that, that's spreading rapidly at the time. My second favorite comment from yesterday, though, I really liked this. I think it's very important to, to add to the, the conversation about Asa Hutchinson. This is from Mike on Twitter who says, if Reagan was alive, and saw that interview. He would have chain smoked a carton of Chesterfields in complete despair of his party. He, he absolutely would have. I wouldn't. I don't want these jelly beans anymore. I need to smoke and drink if this man will invoke my name. Well, well, that's what we're going to do. We're not going to pump kids full of hormones. Well, you know, if you want to be healthy, if you don't want to have this unhealthy sort of nonsense running around, if you want to be healthy, got to check out Nutrisystem. Nutrisystem is simple and convenient with delicious meals delivered right to your door with little to no meal prep required. That means no shopping in busy grocery stores. With Nutrisystem, you can lose up to 18 pounds in your first two months. The plan is clinically proven to put your body in fat burning mode and helps you achieve safe and healthy weight loss. Nutrisystem helps you lose weight and learn how to keep it off. They have a top rated app called Numi for extra motivation to help you stay on track. You get unlimited one-on-one coaching. It's just a really effective way to lose weight. I know a lot of my friends, they'll try lots of fad diets, you know, and they won't eat one thing or they'll only eat one thing for a while. And it's just not sustainable. I don't think it's really healthy. Do it, do it the healthy way, do it the right way. Order Nutrisystem right now. 
I think a lot of people are, especially me, I'm living in Nashville right now. So all I eat is chicken and biscuits all the time. Go to Nutrisystem. Stuff tastes great. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S to get 50% off. That is Nutrisystem.com slash Knowles. Speaking of playing ball, Major League Baseball has announced officially it will move the All-Star game from Georgia to Colorado. All of this in the name of racial justice and voting rights. This is ironic, of course, because Colorado is much whiter than Georgia and has much more restrictive voting laws than Georgia too. Hmm, that's kind of weird. Colorado is 86.9% white and 4.6% black compared to Georgia, which is 60.2% white and 32.6% black. But, but it gets even, even crazier uh, because uh, they're moving to Denver. Denver is three quarters white, 9% black. Really, Atlanta is 40.9% uh, white and 51% black. And of course, Colorado has those tougher voter laws. So why are they doing it? doesn't make any sense, does it? It does. This is not about white people or black people or any of the voting laws. This is about associating with certain political parties. Colorado has a Democrat governor. So it doesn't matter how white the state of Colorado is. It doesn't matter how restrictive the voting laws are. Georgia has a Republican governor. So it doesn't matter how black Georgia is or how lax the, the voting laws are. This is about people associating with different political parties. It's corporations saying, we don't want to do business with Republicans. And we're going to make up some excuse about voter laws or whatever or race, but it's really just, we don't like Republicans. We don't want to do business with Republicans. This is what Harry's Razors said the other day. Harry's Razors, which had advertised on my show, I don't know, for about a year or something like that. Then they dug up some old clips, some, some political operative or some random Twitter account found a clip of me on Candace Owens' old show two years ago where I agreed with something she said. And then Harry's said that, that we, our values don't align with, with the conservative show. And what they really mean is our values don't align with conservatives. So we'll take your money. Your money's still green, but we hate you. We don't like you. We don't want to be associated with you. Maybe we should believe them. Maybe we should just stop doing business with these guys, right? And that's the first level. Maybe we should stop giving our hard-earned money to companies and corporations and sports leagues that hate our guts. But there's another level too, which I know some more libertarian people on the right are not happy to talk about, but I think we do need to talk about it. Maybe we should start making it a little bit harder for those corporations to do business. Maybe we should use politics for political effect. Georgia Democrats right now are, are pretty angry at Joe Biden over this baseball fiasco. Biden thought that he was going to go along with his base and say, yeah, I hate Georgia. We got to pull the game out of Georgia. But now the Georgia Democrats are saying, you just lost us $100 million, buddy. Come on. We were going to make a big show, but not actually kick them out. So now Joe Biden is changing his tune. He was just asked if he, he would support the Masters golf tournament being moved out of Georgia. Here's his answer. Mr. President, do you think the Masters golf tournament should be moved out of Georgia? I think that's up to the, uh, the Masters. Look, uh, you know, um, it is reassuring to see that uh, for-profit operations and businesses are speaking up about how these new Jim Crow laws 
are just antithetical to who we are. There's another side to it, too. The other side to it, too, is when they, in fact, move out of Georgia, the people who need the help the most, people who are making hourly wages, sometimes get hurt the most. I think it's a very tough decision for a corporation to make or a group to make. But I respect them when they make that judgment, and I support whatever judgment they make. But it's the best way to deal with this is for Georgia and other states to smarten up. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Come on, man. That's quite a change of tune because just a few days ago, he said that he would encourage Major League Baseball to get out of Georgia. Remember, we played the clips on the show yesterday. What do you think about the possibility of MLB moving out of Georgia? Yeah, man, I think that's great. Come on, man. Absolutely. That's, these are new Jim Crow laws. Hey, Joe, now all these Georgia Democrats hate your guts. Well, look, it's complicated. And he, he can't directly contradict what he said just a couple days ago. So he needs to just hold both ideas in, in his mind at the same time. He has to say, yeah, these are Jim Crow laws. Blacks are being systematically attacked in Georgia and prevented the right to vote. But also maybe you should keep your sports games there. But huh? What's the argument? I don't really, I don't really see the argument. And the point is, come on, Georgia, come on, shape up. So he runs out of an argument. He says, come on, Georgia, make this easier for me. Come on, just get rid of your law, which is less restrictive than the law in Colorado where the game is moving. The build your own Twitter Republicans are not going to like what I'm going to say. Okay. The squishes are not going to like what I'm about to say, but I don't care what they think, darn it. I think conservative Republicans will like what I'm about to say. We need to make it uncomfortable for companies to destroy our country. I don't like it when big government threatens to destroy our country and upend our culture and ruin our way of life. I don't really like it anymore when big corporations do that either. We need to use politics for political effect. The left knows this. They've done this for a long time. Now we're going to be told that, well, if conservatives use the political process and the power that the people give us, well, then that makes us no better than the leftists. No, no, it, it doesn't because we will be using it for different purposes. And while form matters in politics, substance matters too. It actually matters what we're doing. When leftists wield political power to destroy our country, that is a different thing than conservatives wielding political power to make our country better. <laughs> They're different. Worse and better are not synonyms. <laughs> they are, they're actually polar opposites. And so I'm not saying that the conservatives should wield political power arbitrarily and, you know, behave like tyrants. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying we should use the just political power that has been given to us legitimately by the people to stop the destruction of our country. That is the most basic lesson that anybody should take from politics. But, but unfortunately, the right has atrophied in its understanding of what politics is over the last two or three decades. This is the central topic of my upcoming book, Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds. I hope people read it before it's too late. <laughs> that book is available for pre-order, by the way, on Amazon. And you can, you can also pre-order an autographed copy on Premier Collectibles. I think I'm going to start sending copies for free, at least to some of these Republican governors and senators so that they don't start all becoming Asa Hutchinson in Arkansas or something, all becoming these squishy, weak liberals. You know, one governor who is taking to heart what we've just been talking about is Ron DeSantis down in Florida. Ron DeSantis understands that it's not, it's good to 
not give your money to companies that hate you. But also there need to be consequences when even allegedly private organizations try to destroy our country. Ron DeSantis just spoke out against that hit piece that was on 60 Minutes about him where they chopped it up and made it look like he said something that he didn't say. Ron DeSantis said, look, this was a ridiculous hit job. And moreover, there's going to be consequences. They cut out everything that showed that their narrative was a piece of horse manure. Um, And it shows you how dishonest, these are smear merchants. That's why nobody trusts corporate media. Uh, They are a disaster in what they're doing. They knew what they were doing was a lie. I knew what they were doing was a lie. Everybody here knows what they were doing is a lie. They know that we know they're lying and yet they continue to lie. And they lied and they lied and they lied. We offered them the information and they declined to interview the key people uh, because they didn't want to let go of the narrative. Well, guess what? There's going to be consequences for that. Uh, We're not, I know corporate media thinks that they can just run over people. Uh, You ain't running over this governor. I'm punching back. There's going to be consequences. That speech that he just gave, that brief speech, could have been a Trump speech. The mannerisms were the same. The wording was the same. Ron DeSantis, if he's going to run in 2024, he's obviously running in the Trump lane. This idea that conservatives ought to be able to use legitimate political power, that is a consequence of the Trump phenomenon, of his candidacy and of his presidency. That's a very good thing. He has shaken off the old dead consensus that guys like Asa Hutchinson are still having the last gasps of before he leaves office. Ron DeSantis sees which way the wind is blowing. He's obviously moving in that direction. I think a lot of Republicans are doing that. Even even good old cocaine Mitch McConnell is recognizing that. You know, if you want to hear which way, uh, where the politics is going, if you want to hear, if you want to listen very closely to say, wait, wait a second, what are the people saying? you should check out Raycons. You know, when I want to rest my eyes and still get the content that I'm looking for, I love Raycon wireless earbuds. Raycon wireless earbuds are, they're just an improvement over a lot of what you're seeing in the market right now. No dangling wires, no stems to get in your way. I'm not calling that any products in particular. They come in a range of stylish colorways. They're always comfortable with a great in-ear fit for a more discreet look. The best part, as far as I'm concerned, Raycon makes great sound accessible to everyone with wireless earbuds starting at half the price of other premium audio brands. And I don't, I don't know how to put it more bluntly. Raycon's just a superior product to a lot of the more expensive options out there on the market today. Raycon's offering 15% off all their products for my listeners. Here is what you got to do to get it. Go to buyraycon.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. That's it you'll get 15% off your entire Raycon order. So feel free to grab a pair and a spare. That is 15% off at buyraycon.com slash Knowles, buyraycon.com slash Knowles. It is not just Ron DeSantis in Florida who's saying we need to hold these people to account. It's not just conservatives like Ted Cruz. It's not just people like Josh Hawley. Even Mitch McConnell, who is the avatar of the establishment right, Mitch McConnell recognizes that the threat posed by woke corporations to our American way of life, to our political traditions, to our constitutional order is just as grave as the threat posed by big government. McConnell issued a statement yesterday. He said, from election law to environmentalism, to radical social agendas, to the second amendment, parts of the private sector keep dabbling in behaving like a woke parallel government 
corporations will invite serious consequences if they become a vehicle for far left mobs to hijack our country from outside the constitutional order. Thank you, Cocaine Mitch. Oh, that makes me just want to plant my face into a bunch of McConnell talcum powder and say, say hello to my little new political philosophy. Very, very important stuff that conservatives are growing some cojones. Finally, it's, you know, it, we've been talking about this for a long time on this show and people have said, oh, Michael, please, that's fringe, that's radical. No, it's everyone in the Republican party who matters right now, who is doing anything even remotely positive for not just conservatives, but therefore for the whole country recognizes this threat. And the old silly clean cut dichotomy between the public and the private sector, we, we now recognize to be much blurrier than, than people have thought for the last 20 or 30 years. The idea here is to stand up for America, which means standing up for Americans, which means standing up for the American way of life over the whims of massive, often international corporations with no national loyalty, no net loyalty to the country, no loyalty to you or me, their countrymen. And some Republicans are really irritated by that. So I think the ones that get which way the country is going, the ones that get which way the country should go, the ones that have real serious influence, they're, they're on board with taking on this challenge. And then there's Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney. Oh man. The only Republican in the house to, I think she's, no, she wasn't the only Republican, but she was the only Republican in leadership in the house to vote to impeach Donald Trump a second time for what? I don't know. Cause they didn't like the cut of his jib or something. Liz Cheney is coming out really against this way of thinking and, and not specifically with regard to what Governor DeSantis or Senator McConnell have said, but with regard to a, a memo that came from Representative Jim Banks to the minority leader in the house, Kevin McCarthy, who, it was a very simple memo. It's long, but I can sum it all up in a little bit. Republicans are the party of the working class. For a lot of the last 20, 30 years, Republicans have been the party of the rich and Democrats have claimed the working class and ordinary everyday Americans. And now that has changed. Trump has changed that in the, in the same way that Ronald Reagan changed the Republican party to win, win back more blue collar workers. And he said, this is a good thing. And we should focus on that, not just because it's politically advantageous, but because it's right. It's good. We should not just sell our fellow Americans who work in lower wage jobs. We should not just sell their future out to China or to Mexico or to some other country so that we can boost GDP slightly and tell them to, you know, go away and do their drugs. And maybe we'll cut them a check or something every now and again, but, but leave us alone while people on the coasts make a lot of money very simple document, makes a whole lot of sense. Liz Cheney furious. According to Politico, she has argued that the GOP is not the party of class warfare and that dividing society into classes while attacking the private sector is neo-Marxist and wrong. Class warfare cuts two ways, Congressman Cheney. Class warfare cuts two ways. Now we're being told that if you in any way stand up for Americans who work in manufacturing, for Americans who work in rural areas, for Americans who have had their jobs shipped overseas because of intentional trade agreements that were signed by people who hold a very specific political ideology, members of both parties, by the way, that if you stand up for them, you're uh, engaging in class warfare. It's divisive. It's wrong. It's Marxist. 
you know, when you tell those Americans to shut up when their jobs get shipped overseas, that's class warfare too. When you tell Americans that, that they need to let their towns die, like a writer, a prominent conservative writer did some years ago, that's class warfare. It seems like class warfare to me at least. When you tell people that uh, they have no right to discuss economic policy, that look, we just worship at the altar of the free market, capital F, capital M, trademark over the T, doesn't look that free to me, but it's, it's a, a sort of contrivance and a creation of a, of a very narrow political ideology in a certain political class. When you tell them they have no constitutional or political right to question that, that's class warfare. Cuts both ways. Because economic policy is not simply a matter of the private sector. And when woke corporations wield their massive political power to push awful narratives, to fund BLM terrorists, to, to uh, turn the arms of governors, multiple Republican governors, to suggest that it's perfectly fine to pump kids full of hormones and have boys use the girls' room, even most basic questions like that. Well, that's not just a matter of the private sector. When, when, our, when our country gets destroyed and, and we're all prevented from practicing our religion and speaking our views and uh, keeping our American way of life, I don't think we're going to say, well, at least our country was ruined by the private sector. And isn't that, isn't that wonderful? Isn't that great? Thank you, Liz Cheney, for allowing the private sector, capital P, capital S, trademark over the R, to destroy our country. I don't think so. I do not think so. We are We've totally flipped this culture upside down. Great example of this would be in comic books. You might imagine I'm not a huge comic book fan, but I remember when the news headline came out that Marvel comic books, I guess it was, hired Ta-Nehisi Coates, the race hustling, extraordinarily overrated writer who is a darling of white liberals who award him all sorts of prestigious awards and give him lots of money to talk about how terrible America is and how, how black bodies, to use his phrase, are horribly oppressed. When he uses that phrase, black bodies, I always wonder, I said, you, you don't think black people have souls? Why do you keep using that strange phrase, black bodies? So they hired him to write the Captain America comic. I said, okay, here we go. Here we go. Can't wait for this one to come out. Well, it's out. And I guess there's some villain in Cap- Captain America called Red Skull. And he's a really bad guy, you know. And uh, in Ta-Nehisi Coates' version, the Red Skull is Jordan Peterson. <laughs> Jordan Peterson, a mild-mannered Canadian professor and psychologist whose most outrageous statements are telling kids to make their bed and pursue truth and stand up straight. <laughs> you know, really kind of basic stuff if you want to have a good flourishing life. He is now the villain. And it's pretty, pretty clear. You know, they, they reference Jordan's books and the comics. Now they reference various things that he's said. We now in this country are being told that truth is falsehood and right is wrong and good is bad. That is, that is not simply a matter of free speech versus censorship or the public sector and the private sector. That is a matter of one set of standards, the radical new standards, competing with the traditional standards in this country. That's really what the battle is. That is, I should mention, the topic of my upcoming book, Speechless. The timing couldn't be better. On the one hand, I'm 
pleased that the, that the, the book I have coming out is about this very topic because it's, it's timely. On the other hand, I'm utterly dismayed because this is all happening really, really quickly. And we're now being told that if you want to clean your room and make your bed and stand up straight and pursue truth, that you're an evil, rotten Nazi. We're being told this not by big government. We're being told this by the culture, by comic books, by woke corporations. Bad, bad stuff. We need to push back. And it is just too weak, folks, to say, well, but we can't exercise any political power because if we exercise political power, that'll make us no different than the left. No, it won't. It'll make us very different than the left because we will be opposing their standards. We will be, we will be engaging in politics as all successful political movements have for all of human history everywhere on earth. And I think some conservatives don't have the courage to be successful. They don't want to. They don't want to defend the new standards because really they're just liberals like Asa Hutchinson in, in, in Arkansas. Really, when it comes down to it, they're technocratic, progressive liberals who want to go a little bit slower. Well, I don't think we, sh- we have time to do that. Donald Trump said he doesn't have time for political correctness. We don't have time to wait on that kind of stuff. This is happening right now. You know, Ben will be talking on the show today about how the blowback is coming on how there is a lot of discontentment going on right now with what the left is doing. So check out Ben's show. Also check out Candace's show. Streams Fridays at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, dailywire.com. You can also get the audio podcast, Candace, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. So if you need some Candace Owens in your podcast feed, look no further. Head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Subscribe today. I am told, I'm reliably informed, she's going to have a tremendous guest on the show this week. Handsome, mellifluous, just charming. I, I, you don't want to miss this week's episode. That's all I'm going to say. Head on over to dailywire.com. We'll be right back with a lot more. Finally, we're reopening the country, right? Isn't that great? We're get, we get to see our family again. Dr. Fauci's reign of terror is over. It's, it's weakening at the very least. We can go do things. We can go back to work. We can have weddings. We can go to funerals. We can, we can do the things that you need to do as a society. But not so fast, because now we are being reliably informed by the experts in the lab coats talking through the mainstream media that we can't reopen yet because there are double variants, double mutant variants, and a fourth wave. Stay home, stay afraid, stay sheep, say the mainstream media. A lot of attention on this Rangers-Blue Jays game, and it's not because of the matchup on this brand new field. As many as 40,518 fans could pack this ballpark. That would make it the largest gathering of people in this country in more than a year. But President Biden is already calling foul. This morning, concerns about a double mutant coronavirus variant in the U.S. The variant first discovered in India, now identified in the San Francisco area. This is the first time this particular double mutant has been found in the United States, and it was found here at our Stanford laboratory. This is COVID cases across the country climb, and fears of a fourth wave are growing, even as more than 106 million Americans have received at least one dose of the vaccine. It's kind of like a race between getting people vaccinated and the more people on a daily basis you get vaccinated, the better chance you have of blunting or preventing that surge that we're all concerned about. How does anybody take these people seriously anymore? I feel like we are living in a comic book. 
D- double mutant. They couldn't come up with a less cartoonish phrase than that. It's the double mutant. Stay home. Keep listening to Fauci. I know you're all going out and you're realizing everything's totally fine and it's, it's normal and the public health people don't have any credibility, but you gotta, you, it's going to be a triple mutant before you know it. Goodness gracious. By the way, I'm not, I'm not even saying, I'm, I'm not saying that there's no virus. I'm not saying that the virus isn't dangerous to some people. I'm not saying that there aren't variants of the virus. I'm not making any scientific point. I'm just making the political point that we cannot live like this forever and we should not live like this forever. Since the beginning of this epidemic, I have ignored basically all of the rules and the guidelines. In narrow circumstances where I have to wear a mask, for instance, I I do like on an airplane. I, I will do that. Usually I'll protest it by getting my little nose out there. That's my subtle protest. But you know, if I have to do it, I have to do it. I'll make a prudent calculation that it's better to go give the speech somewhere than to not not fly and not wear the mask. But generally speaking, 99% of the time, I've completely ignored all of the guidelines. I've never felt better. Does this mean I can't get the virus? No, I I can get the virus. Does this mean I have no risk of serious complications? No, I do. I'm making an informed risk assessment and choosing to live my life. If you told me right now, Michael, you can live an extra year, five years, 10 years. You can live an extra 10 years if you only lock down, don't see your family, wear the stupid mask so that you muzzle yourself in public and you can't see a smiling face ever again. Just do that and you can live an extra 10 years. I would say no deal. I don't want to do, life is about more than that. The neurotic fear of death that has taken over our culture because people are, I guess, afraid of the dark and they've utterly lost their faith. And they think very foolishly that they can extend their lives forever and they're never going to die is an existential matter. I mean, by definition, it's an existential matter. It's a real, real threat to the country because we're all behaving like neurotics, like paranoiacs, like easily manipulable children. Stop doing that. Live your life. As President Trump said, do not be afraid. Do not live your life in fear of the virus. You know what's going to happen after the double mutant virus? There's going to be a triple mutant. You know what's going to happen after the triple? There's going to be a quadruple, quintuple mutant virus. These are not scientific questions. There's, there are new kinds of flu all the time. There's new kinds of all sorts of viruses and and diseases. Are, Are you going to live your life like this? That's not a scientific question, exactly. That's a medical question. Dr. Fauci has got some questions to answer, though, on the scientific front, because we were told by people like Dr. Fauci that if you don't follow all the Fauci guidelines, if you lift mandates and the mask mandates and the indoor dining, if you lift it, the cases are going to go through the roof. We're all going to die. And so what did Texas do? Texas lifted all the stupid mandates. And what happened? nothing that Dr. Fauci predicted. So Fauci was brought on to MSNBC. Credit to the interviewer on MSNBC said, hey, uh, Dr. Fauci, uh, looks like you were wrong. Do you have anything to say about that? If you go to Texas, as you know, it looks like 2019. The restaurants and the bars are full and open. The ballparks are full. And yet we've seen cases and hospitalizations since then continue to tick downward. So what do you make of that as all of us look around and sort of try to consider how safe it is to get back to normal life? Yeah, you know, it's it can be confusing because you may see a lag 
and a delay because often you have to wait a few weeks before you see the effect of what you're doing right now. You know, there, there are a lot of things that go into that. I mean, when you say that they've they've had a lot of uh, activity on the outside, like ball games, I'm not really quite sure. It could be they're doing things outdoors. You know, it's very difficult to just one-on-one -on -one compare that. You just have to see in the long range. I hope they continue to tick down. If they do, that would be great. But we've been fooled before. We have been fooled before. <laughs> You don't say, Dr. Fauci. <laughs> and who did all the fooling? Listen, if anybody knows about fooling people, it's me, Dr. Fauci. Wear the mask, sheep. <laughs> Doctor, speaking of fool, I'm not even just saying he got things wrong. I'm saying he said things that he did not believe were true. Remember when he said at the beginning of the epidemic, he said, don't wear a mask. Wearing a mask is bad. It doesn't do anything. It actually, it might, might be worse if you wear a mask because you'll touch your face. So don't do it. And then about five seconds later, he said, now you all have to wear masks. He said, what changed? And he explained his reasoning. He said, well, at the time, I knew that, that I, th I felt the masks did work at stopping the spread of the virus, but I felt there might be a mask shortage. So I wanted to reserve masks for all the public health people that I felt deserved to have them. And I didn't want all you peasants to have the masks. So I told you that the masks don't work. So you wouldn't buy up all the masks. But now that I know we have enough masks, now I'm going to admit to you what I believed all along, which is that the masks do work. So now you have to wear one. If you're going to admit to that kind of dishonesty, what credibility do you have? We've been fooled before. We have indeed been fooled before. Opposition to reopening the country at this point is, uh, it, it is a grift as it always has been a grift. But at this point, it's a totally transparent grift. The Los Angeles teachers union, those brave souls who promise they're going to return to work sometime in 2057. The LA teacher union is demanding <laughs> Now that there's no argument, virtually every school is back in some, some capacity. LA Teachers Union holding firm, they say they won't return to work. Not, it's not until they clean the classrooms. It's not until they make people wear the stupid masks or whatever. They won't return to work until they're given free childcare for their own children, according to a report from Politico. What? What does that have to do with the coronavirus? You're just trying to get a, an insanely generous perk of employment in, as, as a negotiation that very few of us in the workplace have. I don't get free childcare at my office. Why are the LA teachers supposed to get free childcare? These are government employees who are paid by, formerly by my taxpayer dollars. Thankfully, I'm out of that place. What is going on now is not a union action to, to protect their members for safety. What is going on now is effectively a strike. The LA teachers union is going on a strike, not because of a virus or a fear of getting the sniffles. They're, they're going on strike because they want to get a better contract. They want to get a better deal. They should have no right to do this. These government employees who are paid relatively well, certainly for the work they're doing right now, which is bupkis, bupkis work for a decent enough salary, they should be given an ultimatum. They should be told, go back to work or lose your job. Simple as that. A former governor of California, Ronald Reagan, 
gave air traffic controllers this ultimatum when he was president. The air traffic controllers union decided they want to get a better deal and they had had no right to do this. They were a government union. They had no right to go on strike. That's the law. Law was very clear. They went on strike anyway. And Ronald Reagan did not say, well, you know, okay, maybe we'll give just, okay, can you go back in six months? He said, if you don't go to work in two days, you're going to lose your job. And that's that. I must tell those who failed to report for duty this morning, they are in violation of the law. And if they do not report for work within 48 hours, they have forfeited their jobs and will be terminated. Clear enough to me, this absolutely should be the rule with the LA Teachers Union. It won't be because the advantage that Reagan had here, well, one is that he had been a union president. He had been the president of the Screen Actors Guild. So he knew how unions worked down to the very bottom. Uh, also, he, he was not in the pocket of the unions. The unions did not really like Ronald Reagan. Some unions liked him, but, but uh, a lot of them did not because he was a Republican. And so it, it was not so hard for him to oppose the unions. For someone like Gavin Newsom, who's fighting for his political life right now, or someone like the LA mayor or supervisors, they are in the pocket of the union, so they can't fight them. This, this is part of why uh, public sector, you know, government unionization is so, uh, so insidious, is that in, in the case of a public sector union, the government is negotiating with itself, so there's no, no incentive to keep the prices down, because the, the government is just bribing the government union workers with taxpayer dollars to then go organize and then the unions vote for those Democrat politicians. Makes for decent politics, but it's not great for the country. Absolutely, uh, they need to be opposed. Who's going to do it? Gavin Newsom's not going to do it, but Gavin Newsom very likely, I mean, almost certainly is going to be recalled. Who's going to run against him? Well, there's one candidate who is considering throwing his or her hat into the race. That would be Caitlyn Jenner. Caitlyn Jenner is uh, reportedly exploring a run for California governor as Gavin Newsom faces this recall. I predicted this might happen some while ago because Caitlyn Jenner is wealthy, very well-known, Republican, uh, could, could create an organization, and loves being on TV. So obviously, you know, this, this could happen. What should we think about the prospective governor, Caitlyn Jenner? This would not be the first time that a political leader has cross-dressed in history. This would not be the first time. This actually happened at least one other time, way back in ancient Rome. Now, the, the bad news here is that the political leader who did that was Nero, considered one of the worst rulers ever in, in human history. A Nero who reportedly uh, slept with his mother and then murdered his mother and married a freed slave. And uh, Nero himself dressed up like the woman. He was the bride in that, in that particular uh, matrimony. And uh, he was known for his kind of crazy days-long orgies and Rome burned under his watch and he, he legendarily fiddled while that was happening. So, you know, we don't, uh, okay, we don't want another Nero. That would not be good. Uh, but the question does become, would Caitlyn Jenner be better than Gavin Newsom? Obviously, Caitlyn Jenner would probably be pretty, pretty weak on like, the transgender issues. But on other issues, he's pretty, pretty right-wing, at least relative to California. Does the Buckley rule apply here? Should we vote for the most right viable candidate? If we get Newsom, you're going to get all the terrible policies 
including all the terrible transgender policies. And with Caitlyn Jenner, I guess you'll get terrible transgender policies, but you'll get decent enough other policies. Politics sure is a messy business, but it certainly would be interesting to watch. No question about that. <laughs> and I, I don't think conservatives should just totally write this off because Gavin Newsom is, is a bad governor. And we'd have to see if, you know, if Caitlyn Jenner can articulate a conservative position. If Kate, I think Caitlyn Jenner's views on transgenderism are much more conservative than the current governor of Arkansas, Asa Hutchinson. So it would be interesting to watch play out. Speaking of eccentric people in LA, there recently was an awards show for Hollywood. You didn't watch it? I know. No one did either. Uh, no one else other than I think the actors themselves. This was the Screen Actors Guild Awards. And as ever, they're just trying to alienate as many people as they possibly can. The winner of one of these awards, Jason Sudeikis, wore a radical uh, political shirt during the Zoom awards from his living room that I, th I think carries with it. It shows you not just what's wrong about Hollywood, but what is wrong more broadly in our politics. Jason Sudeikis, who is some sort of actor. I don't really know what he was on. I kind of recognize his face. He won the Screen Actors Guild Award and he gave a very nice little speech. And while he was giving his thank you speech on Zoom, he wore a shirt that said, my body, my choice. Take a listen. And the actor goes to Jason Sudeikis, Ted Lasso. Oh man, oh man, are you kidding me? Uh, wow, thank you uh, to, to all of my fellow actors. I want to thank my mom for uh, bringing me to plays and musicals in Kansas City. Every touring company that came through, whether it's Family of the Opera or La Caja Foles. Uh, I want to thank my dad for taking me to go see movies. Uh, took me to go see Beverly Hills Cop when I was nine years old. I knew at that point. I wanted to be uh, a black cop from Detroit, um, getting there. And again, I thank my, my fellow castmates because they make me uh, better because I just, again, have to keep up. Uh, uh, thank you. Again, it was very uh, amazing. Appreciate it. He's wearing a shirt defending abortion during his acceptance speech. And the first thing he does is thanks his mom. You can't make that up. If you put that in a Hollywood script, the producers would reject that. They'd say it's too on the nose. That's too ridiculous. But that's, that's what's happening. And at no point did Jason Sudeikis think that there was any conflict here. This is one of the really insidious effects of political correctness is it makes you hold conflicting views simultaneously, contradictory views simultaneously. It's what George Orwell would call double think. He said that, by the way, the totalitarian regime that he describes in 1984 relies, perhaps most importantly, on doublethink. That is what we are seeing here. We should not fall into that trap. You know, the, the issue with my body, my choice is that a lot of conservatives, putative conservatives, use that line too. That not with regard to abortion, but they'll say, you know, look, if, if so, to go, bring it back to the transgender issue, if, if someone wants to mutilate his body, then that's his right to do it. My body, my choice. That's not, a, that, that's not a conservative point of view. I guess it's a libertarian point of view, but it's not a conservative point of view. The conservative point of view is that I don't own my body. I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't create my body. I'm not, I'm not a creator. I'm a procreator, but I'm not, I, I, I didn't create my body. I didn't choose to be born into this world. My life was a gift. I have some responsibilities to my creator, 
to the moral order, to my fellow citizens. And, uh, you know, I didn't choose how I came into this world. I'm probably not going to choose how I had left this world. So I have to be a steward of that and recognize that I am not uh, all powerful. You know, Whitaker Chambers described communism as the great alternative faith of mankind that began in the garden when the serpent said to Eve, ye shall be as gods. We, we, we conservatives recognize we are not gods. We are not entitled to do whatever we want. And actually that will undermine government. It will undermine self-government. We, we need to be a little clearer about this. And I know it's hard and it requires courage because for 20 years, the past 20 years or so, conservatives have, have distilled their philosophy down to the most shallow version of, hey, whatever you want to do, do it. Just don't make me pay for it. That's not <laughs> conservative. It's not coherent. It's not convincing. It hasn't worked. It hasn't convinced people. We need to get back to making actual substantive arguments. There's a good, uh, good bit of news coming out of Texas now. I said on the show the last couple of days, I've said DeSantis is doing a good job and Tate Reeves in Mississippi, they're doing a good job at the state level of saying, no, we are not going to permit vaccine passports. And they've said definitely no as a state mandate. And maybe we'll also stop the private businesses from issuing, requiring vaccine passports too, because that's not merely a private matter. Well, that's good. And I said, there's 27 Republican governors in this country. They all need to go on the record immediately. A lot of them are quiet. 25 of them are pretty quiet. So just after the show, maybe he was listening, uh, Governor Greg Abbott in Texas came out and he said, no vaccine passport mandate in Texas. Every day, Texans return to normalcy as more people get the COVID vaccine. In fact, this week, Texas will surpass 13 million doses administered. Those shots help slow the spread of COVID, reduce hospitalizations, and reduce fatalities. But as I have said all along, these vaccines are always voluntary and never forced. Government should not require any Texan to show proof of vaccination and reveal private health information just to go about their daily lives. That is why I issued an executive order that prohibits government mandated vaccine passports in Texas. We will continue to vaccinate more Texans and protect public health. And we will do so without treading on Texans personal freedoms. Great, good, I'm so glad to hear it. Thank you, Governor Abbott. I am glad that the state of Texas will not tread on Texans' personal freedoms, but that's not enough. <laughs> it's a good start, so I don't want to discourage you. You need to go further. You need to go where, I don't think any governor has really said this on the record yet, but they, they've been kind of testing the waters and intimating this, most notably DeSantis. You need to say, it's not just about the state mandating it. We're going to stop private, allegedly private companies from requiring the vaccine passport too. We are going to stop, in Mitch McConnell's words, what has become a sort of parallel government run by woke corporations. I like a thriving private sector within certain boundaries set by our American constitutional order. I really like that. But I am not an idolater of the so-called private sector such that I would be happy if a handful of woke international corporations run our government effectively, determine how we're going to walk around in the world. 
insist that I give them my medical data and I show what vaccines I've gotten before I can go into a restaurant and have a hamburger. No way, buddy. I, I ain't doing that. And so I'm glad Governor Abbott is doing this, but he needs to follow which way the, the politics is going. I think finally people are waking up to this. I hope that my book, Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, wakes more people up to this when it comes out at the end of June. And in the meantime, I hope conservatives get much tougher. We need to play ball. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Bory. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup by Nika Geneva. And production coordinator, McKenna Waters. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. United Airlines has decided to start hiring pilots based on diversity rather than merit. Caitlyn Jenner considers a run for governor. A former CIA director publicly entertains the idea that aliens may have already visited Earth. And the governor of Arkansas defends his position in favor of chemically castrating children. All of that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show.